0: Capone went first to headquarters for the organization in the Café Momart where offices were maintained on the second floor. Here Capone presided over a meeting of the heads of his organization. I've got some bad news, Al. We had some breweries knocked over. Eight to be exact. Three on the south side, including two new ones we set up while you were away. One in the Heights, two on the north side, one of them we took over from Moran's. A big one out on diversity and another new one we uh, set up on the county line. What did that add up to? We lost 3,850 barrels a day. You lousy, stupid, a yell. stinking it apart!
1: I'm away for, I'm away for 10 months! 10 months! And we got a problem with this, um,
0: Ness. A Ness,
1: a Ness, Ness. Well, I've had a plenty of problems, and I took a care of them. So now I'm a back, and I'll take care of Ness. Ed Robertson, welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television that will welcome award winning actress Blanca Blanco in our second hour. We well, hope you stay tuned for that. In the meantime, Chuck Carter is with us, our friend Chuck Carter. Uh, music and film and TV historian, singer, songwriter, all-around man about town. Chuck Carter's books on film and television include Mr. Novak, an acclaimed television series, which you can find uh, wherever fine books are sold, as well as Amazon.com. Chuck has another book in the works. We'll talk about that a little later on in our conversation. Well, we recently started a an occasional series on Things we're watching are old shows that we're watching for the first time, and uh, Chuck is here to talk about that and more. Chuck Carter, always glad to have you on our program.
0: And always glad to be here in South Pasadena, Ed. Nice to be on today, and as you said, this will be a segment on shows that uh, one rediscovers being in from COVID, and the one for me, which I had not seen in many, many years, was The Untouchables.
1: Now, this is the original Untouchables with Robert Stack.
0: The one and only, 59 to 63, four seasons, Desilu Productions, and I'm just about done with season three, and uh, I am in 1930s machine gun
1: bootlegger heaven. I I had not seen the show in about 20 years. When I revisited this, and I mean, it it was one of those shows that um, it had a nice lengthy run in syndication. Channel 2 up in the Bay Area used to show it at uh, either 1130 or midnight every night. Uh, So I I knew it was around when I was a kid, but I had not actually seen the show myself until I had a chance to uh, write about it uh, some years ago for a magazine published by Donovan Brandt of Eddie Brandt's uh, Saturday matinee, where I had an opportunity to take a deep dive into the Untouchables and and talk to some of the people involved. And my experience, and it sounds like this was your experience, I was initially hooked. It didn't take me long to get into the show.
0: No, neither was I. I. I actually was at a big lot store, and they actually sell DVDs these days. And there are cases where an old show will have two, three seasons on one set, cheap. Mm -hmm. So I thought, okay, three seasons, The Untouchables, it wasn't much, oh, I'll get it, okay. So I put in the first one, which was the pilot, and I said, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. And then I started the first season, and within about three, I was, as you say, hooked. I was blown away by the production values, the editing, costuming, acting, direction, scripting, it was really good and compelling as if each half-hour episode was almost a reincarnation of the early 30s warner brothers james cagney kind of quickie movies and it just kept getting better and better and better walter Winchell's narration was of course fabulous and everybody on it was good whether it was the guest stars or robert stack portraying ness or his untouchables It just was first class all the way, and I've noticed in the almost three seasons I've done, there's hardly any duds, which happens in episodic television. If you have 30 episodes a season, you're going to get a couple that just don't lay lay there.
1: Yeah, I mean, Quinn Martin used to say, you make 30 shows a year, 10 are really good, 10 are okay. 10 you make because you have to make 30 shows a year
0: well that's i think too critical of the untouchables but in the three seasons which is almost 90 episodes or so there's about five that just kind of laid there yeah the rest were at least good and most were very good to excellent so the the quality level of the show for an assembly line type of production held up fantastically
1: and speaking of Quinn Martin, this was The show, The Untouchables was the show that really put him on the map. He produced the two-hour pilot and the first season for Desi Arnaz and Desi Liu Productions before he branched out to become an independent. But in many respects, the Quinn Martin stamp that we would come to recognize his own shows were are all very evident on The Untouchables. And dovetailing on what you just said, it really is like, I mean, they they came as close to bringing a motion picture type quality to episodic television. They packed a lot of action. It was a it was a tightly edited show. They packed they packed two hours of action into every 60 minutes as much as possible.
0: I think that's very true. And another thing I thought that was remarkable about the show, and a lot of old series from the 50s and 60s did this, is each episode with begin with maybe a 20 second clip of the episode Mm -hmm. before opening titles and it would be very dramatic and ooh and then would lead you into looking forward to see what happened to the characters yeah they they just hold up beautifully and what surprised me in seeing them again this is 59 60 and 61 is the level of realistic violence in the show because you know it does take place in the early 30s the Al Capone era or Ness versus the mob or bootleggers or that kind of thing and I think there were rules in television at that time where you couldn't show somebody shoot somebody in the same frame you had to see the gun go the guy fall and then the guy holding the gun and almost immediately I saw in in this case you would see someone get shot and fall sometimes there was even not blood spurting But you'd see blood on them when they fell. And I thought, wow, that's really breakthrough for the time. And apparently there was a lot of criticism of The Untouchables that it was one of the 10 most detrimental series on television for the violence. And some parents' groups were complaining, even though it was an adult show in an evening time slot. But looking at it now, it just adds that little bit of edge of realism that makes the show hold up.
1: It was a show uh, that the uh, ABC censors kept a close eye on, at least initially, because of the reaction from you know parents groups and anti-violence groups for reasons you just laid out. But what's interesting, and I had forgotten this, I, I revisited. I wrote a. Uh, I mentioned I wrote a piece on the show about uh, 20 years ago. I revisited that piece last night. Just remember what, what some of the people that I talked to, and what's funny is one of the people I talked to was Alan Armour, who was the showrunner uh, for three of the four years, and he said ABC was very mindful of the reaction to groups, and they and, and the network kind of looked at it two ways. On the one hand, pay attention; you don't want to offend the viewers, but at the same time. If you're getting reaction, that means people are watching, and so without saying it in black and white terms, the networks basically said to the to the producers, depict the violence as realistically as you can get away with. And as you just said, I mean, there there were some times when you would see blood spurting, or you might see someone hanging uh, from a meat hook in a meat locker, which is kind of shocking, mm-hmm. but it's look you're you're depicting. The activities of the Chicago mob. And, you know, you can't do that realistically unless you capture some of, you know, the violence that was part of that culture.
0: Yeah, that's very true. And I think I noticed in another episode a guy gets hit by a car. And again, it was a second and a half cutaway and it was clearly a dummy, but you saw the car strike a body and it fall out of frame. And then there was an onlooker going, ooh, or something. And I went, Ooh, boy, that must have been shocking to the audience at the time, but gripping, you know, because you're watching an adult show about crime. Another thing I thought was really great about the show and seeing it again is to see many actors who became more prominent in maybe the later 60s or 70s in early roles. In just about every episode, there's two or three guest stars Mm -hmm and uh, martin landau jack klugman i mean you could list a lot of them elizabeth the
1: montgomery Nehemiah neymar persoff neville brand
0: yeah and and they're always good yeah. they're always really good and even down to the clothing of the guys at the time which are wide lapels and and not 60s tight suits And the women had the 20s dresses and for the most part had 20s haircuts. Mm -hmm. Occasionally they didn't. And, oh, well, you know, that's that. No, it just really holds up. The music by Nelson Nelson Riddle Riddle. uh, holds up really good. And it's just a great, fast-moving show. And I, I believe, Ed, and you can probably expand on this, the show became a rather large rating success in the first season.
1: Yes, it was it was the type of sh- I mean Robert Stack told me Robert Stack was one of the people I was lucky enough to talk to when I uh, when, when I wrote my piece for Television Chronicles. Robert Stack told me it was the type of show because this was pre-VCR, pre-DVR uh, and because they made so many a year you didn't you weren't always guaranteed that you would have a summer rerun. So it was the type of show if you missed it you were out of luck. And so it was a Thursday night show, its first three years on the air. And Stack told me that bowling leagues were scheduled around whatever night of the week they picked, they they made sure they didn't bowl on Thursday nights.
0: Well, that's about the highest compliment you can make <laughs> to a TV series to change your day-to-day for yeah. it. But yeah, it was really good. And and it's funny, there was criticism early on from the Italian Defamation League that uh, the mob characters in the show had Italian names. Well, I mean, Chicago mob 30s, uh uh-huh. But Desi Arnaz, to keep the peace, did change that some, and it was toned down, and I believe Ness got one of his men named Rossi. Mm -hmm. So he acquired an Italian-American member of the Untouchables, and that seemed to quell the complaints. Uh, I just I'm glad they didn't go as far as to hire Italian-looking mobsters and have them called Frank O'Connor or George O'Brien or something. That would have been too much. Yeah,
1: uh, Chuck Carter is with us. We're taking a look back at The Untouchables. Uh, uh, Chuck has recently revisited The Untouchables uh, in the last few months. The Untouchables, classic TV series starring Robert Stack, that also put Quinn Martin on the map as a as as a producer. Uh, At least the first three seasons of The Untouchables are available on DVD, uh, wherever DVDs are sold. Chuck has a new book in the works. We'll talk about that in just a second. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. What's interesting, just to pick up on a point you just made, yes, it famously came under fire through many Italian-American groups, even though for as many Italian American characters who were um, bad guys on that on The Untouchables. There were just as many. I mean, uh, who who played uh, shopkeepers, Mm -hmm. who played uh, journalists, who played uh, police officers. You know, respectable, legitimate member, um, uh, contributing members of of society, and as you mentioned, one of the Untouchables themselves. Enrico Rossi was an Italian-American, and I believe he was based on one of the actual 10 Untouchables that Elliot Ness chose when he originally put together uh, this special unit back in the late 1920s.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And this show was the brainchild of Desi Arnaz, and uh, I believe when Stack was hired for the part, Ned, you can probably expand on that in a moment, um... Arnez told Stack, this is gonna be a higher budgeted show than normal, we're gonna go for real quality here, and they did, and that's what makes it nice to see now. The photography's beautiful black and white, and it's good it wasn't in color, because it kinda of suggests the black and white Cagney Warner Brothers yeah. films of the early 30s. It was very atmospheric. Very atmospheric, and just first class all around, and in those days, The technicians at the studios in the late 50s, into the 60s, many had worked in film in the 40s, B-movies. They knew how to prepare, shoot quick, only take a couple of takes, keep it under budget, and get quality on a quick assembly line basis. And that's why that show really holds up in quality throughout. And all four seasons are available on DVD. So, um If anybody uh, still has a DVD player or your laptop works and you want to see something really good, get it. And it may be streamable, I don't know. But when you talked to Robert Stack, what did
1: he say about him getting the part? Well, what I remember specifically, I remember as if it was yesterday. He said when Desi approached him about playing Ness, he did not say the word pilot because Stack was Stack was a typical movie actor at the time, this is 1958, 1959, there was still the great divide between television and movies. You did one or you did the other, you did not do both. And if you were a movie star, you did not lower yourself to do television because the perception back then was that if you did, if you were a movie star who did television, that was the end of your movie career. And so because Desi Arnaz, among his many talents as a producer, was a very charming man, he could, he could talk anyone into almost anything. He had that about him. And um, he assured Stack this would not just be another television show. In fact, um, I'd forgotten this. It was budgeted at something like the, the original two-hour production the Scarface Mob which was which was done as a installment of the Desilu Playhouse that was budgeted at close to six hundred thousand dollars which was like more than twice as much money as CBS gave Desi to film the thing um so De- Des- Desi had plans for this thing from the from the very beginning and so he assured Stack this would not this would not be done for the cheap this would be done as if it was a movie and it did very, very well. And Desi later released the movie theatrically, which is how he made a lot of his money back. But when the time came to talk to Stack about doing the show, Stack was very reluctant. And I'm going to do my best Desi Arnaz, which is not a good Desi Arnaz. But Desi said, Amigo we're going to make the best damn television show we're ever going to make. So don't think of it as a television show. We're going to make the best... We're going to make it like a motion picture. It's going to be the best damn television show you'll ever see. That was perfect. <laughs> and and he was true to his word. He I mean, was. He, was, he was. Uh, it was. It was as motion picture-like as you could possibly be. And it, it, it was actually a good thing for Stack because the way the shows were structured... Stack was the linchpin that held every show together, but they had great guest stars every week, Jack Klugman, Martin Martin Landau, and it was an anthology show because it was a great opportunity for the guest star. They would play a colorful, larger-than-life character who was on screen about half the time, which made it easy for Stack. So he got all the frills of being a TV star and a good salary, but he only worked maybe a couple, you know, four maybe three or four days out of a seven-day shoot so it was a a good deal for Robert Stack
0: yeah it was and in a way Stack is the center of the wheel and around him are the other untouchables the supporting characters the incidents and so forth and it was interesting that Robert Stack in his movie career played all kinds of roles he played romantic leads or comedies but in the he was nominated
1: for an Oscar in 1955
0: yes and in The Untouchables, he's very monotone and poker-faced. And that actually kind of works because around him is so much crime and yeah. emotion and violence and just all this stuff going on. He's sort of the calm in the center of the storm.
1: Yeah, he's the, he's the counterpuncher. That, that, that's how he approached playing it. He is the
0: counterpuncher. And I thought of something funny. Um, I vaguely remember this and I don't remember seeing it when I was a kid, because it was on late, but there wasn't much merchandise on the Untouchables TV series as there was on other series of the kind, like a lot of the Western shows. One thing that did exist was comic books. Mm -hmm. I think it was Gold Key or Dell, and that brand of comics, when they would make comic books of TV series, had full-color covers. So it's a little strange to see the, untouchable, the untouchables in full color mm-hmm. on those covers because you never saw them in color. But I think the comic book ran for years, so they at least had that. But it's just a great show all around and uh, well worth seeing and holds up really, really good and uh, certainly controversial. Uh, certainly groundbreaking in a way for the Quinn Martin productions of uh, that followed, de- yeah, detective crime type yeah. series in the 70s. And Quinn did a whole lot of series, mm-hmm. and it's just really good. So, um, full marks to Desi Arnaz for having the vision, for keeping the quality up. And that's another thing the show ran four seasons, and many times in episodic TV, first season they're getting their bearings, second and third they're red hot. Fourth, it's starting to slip. Fifth, now they bring in new characters and they're trying to save it. The Untouchables maybe lasted just long enough where the quality never dropped. It still was great. I think it was 118 episodes, yeah. 50 minutes each. And it's just really good to see. And because it's set in the 30s, um, in a way it's not dated where maybe shows set in the late 50s and early 60s if of that present time are dated so the untouchables just uh, really good
1: be part of our conversation if you like what you hear have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of tv confidential we'd love to hear from you you can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net talk at tvconfidential.net you can also message us at facebook.com forward slash